Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, welcome to the show and stick around for more music here on Channel Q. Don't worry, it's coming back. Oh, yes it is. And speaking of music... You got to interview someone really cool just now. Oh, my God, I did. Um, So I don't know how much you all know if you are not a huge fan of TikTok and just all things, you know, TikTok. This person is Saucy Santana. They are a rapper, and absolutely, he's amazing. He's queer. He's a, a queer black rapper who is taking the world by storm. He's had, I mean, 100 million streams on his his songs. He just wow. has a new song called Booty with rapper Lotto, who we love to play here on Channel Q. And so I'm so happy we got to sit down for a 20-minute interview. 20 minutes. 20 minutes, where we talked about everything from his music to dating to how, you know, how he responds to backlash mm-hmm. on social media to being like fat and queer in these spaces. We talked about all of everything and it was just, it was absolutely incredible. It's such a good early birthday gift, I have to say. I love it. Coming out very, very soon. You know, uh, 20 minutes in TikTok time is like hours. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It's like, absolutely, which is so wild because like, I feel like even uh, sitting down with him, he was my first like, I, and for a while, in-person interview that I've done. Well, no, Lizzo. Recently. Well, Lizzo, yeah, but that was, this felt- was after, this is after I got COVID. Oh, since so, you got yeah, COVID. Yeah, since I got COVID. And so for me, I feel so nervous entering into spaces that are crowded yeah. with people. No, I or agree. like, And I'm just like, oh my God, my body is still traumatized from That it. happened to me it's after so I had COVID. So then when the uh, holidays hit, remember, I was like, I'm staying away from everything, everyone. Literally. I was so traumatized. And I'm like, please don't even invite me anywhere. Like, I'm like, but still, my birthday's this weekend and I just want to have like, a fun time, but I'm still a little nervous about it. I wonder if does anyone else feel that way? Yeah, I I, I felt that way for yeah. a bit, and then it just goes away. Yeah, it probably will with time, but yeah, that, it was amazing. So Stay tuned. It was an Odyssey check-in, but we will be playing it right here on Let's Go There with Sharon. Right? Love it. All right, well, coming up on the show, uh, there's some uh, serious things happening today. The Department of Justice is investigating Trump, possibly. We're talking about that in 15 minutes, then next hour, how the high temperatures could be impacting your mental health. Literally going crazy in the heat. It's a real thing. It's very real. Stick around for that next hour. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Um, Because this was also big that came out today. We've all been waiting to hear what the administration is going to do to help Brittany Griner, who's detained in Russia. Well, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is now saying he's going to speak with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in the coming days about the release of the WMA an NBA star, which people have been pleading for the administration to do more. Here he is. 
In the coming days, I expect to speak with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov for the first time since the war began. I plan to raise an issue that's a top priority for us. The release of Americans Paul Whelan and Brittany Griner who have been wrongfully detained and must be allowed to come home. We put a substantial proposal on the table weeks ago to facilitate their release. Our governments have communicated repeatedly and directly on that proposal. And I'll use the conversation to follow up personally and, I hope, move us toward a resolution. Now, according to reports, the Biden administration offered to release Victor Bout, a convicted Russian arms dealer, in exchange for, as you heard, WNBA star Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, which who are the two Americans currently detained in Russia. So crossing fingers... Moving on uh, to Indiana, following pushback from protesters and even Kamala Harris directly, Indiana lawmakers advanced a bill that would ban nearly all abortions in the state. Wow. Yeah, the existing bill that bans all abortions with exceptions for rape, incest, threats to the mom or fetus's health was amended on Monday to restrict the rape and incest exceptions to a shorter time frame of six to 12 weeks, depending on the person's age. The bill was also amended to require those who are victims of rape and incest, including minors, to sign an affidavit in order to receive an abortion. The affidavit will become part of the patient's permanent medical records. The committee also voted now to allow telehealth medicine to be used for women seeking abortions. It's, I know we've been talking about this and seeing the ways that states are now implementing their own bans, and it's just really disheartening, and I'm very um, excited to talk about an angle of this later on coming yeah. up that is super important, especially for the way that these things are being covered and how they're not that inclusive when it comes to trans and non-binary Oh, I'm folks. sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Federal Reserve, who raised interest rates by three quarters of a point today. It's the second hike in a row of that size, fourth overall in 2022, according to The New York Times. And of course, officials are trying to tame inflation, cool down the economy. The Fed started raising interest rates in March when the Fed funds range was zero to 0.25%. So this is really difficult for people. I mean, yeah, it's like if people are already in debt and paying things off, the interest rates is like puts people in a constant cycle of having to owe more money. Right. It's really unfortunate. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Okay, so Chris Rock is finally addressing the Oscar smack heard around the mm. world. It's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So. Chris Rock didn't pull any punches on his uh, new stand-up show at uh, New York's Madison Square Garden, taking the stage alongside Kevin Hart and David Chappelle. Now, the comedian made a not-so-subtle reference to the infamous slap at the, you know, Oscar Awards when Will Smith smacked Rock over a joke about his wife, Jada Pickett Smith. Now, anyone, this is what he said, anyone who says words hurts has never been punched in the face. (laughs) And this is according to ET Online, who is reporting this. Now, to even top it off, at the event, Kevin Hart came out on the stage and brought an actual real live goat onto the stage as a gift for Chris Rock announcing this moment. Here it is. Uh, Come on, get this This nigga is confused. Come on, what's up? Dave! Come here, Smith is the name is Will Smith. Come here. So it's like a joke that a semi joke that never ends. It's a joke that keeps on giving. Unfortunately, Um, he said basically 
he was like, I'm going to give gift, uh, going to give uh, Chris a gift tonight, a goat at the end of the show. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I said, what do you mean? And what what do, what do I mean? I'm going to give him an actual goat. I don't know where why he got a goat. Where do you even buy goats? I, I mean, I'm assuming they're in New York. They went just outside New York. A farm of that some sort. So, please Almost like bring goat, that goat City back. goats. It's a city goat. Bring that goat back. Yeah, where's PETA? <laughs> and that's the crazy thing, because Kevin actually alluded that he was going to do it on his appearance on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. And, you know, even Jimmy was confused about the goat. He was like, what is the point yeah, of what? this? Yeah, what? I don't get no it. Sense. Is it like a weird inside joke? No, I mean, well, if you, people call Chris and Dave the greatest of all time. So I they get just it. bought him a goat, and then they named him Will Smith. <laughs> As... <laughs> You know what? Stop torturing the goats. I know. Bring that goat back home. Come on. That is your tea report. We got more coming up next that hour. That goat's going to slap them back. Literally. <laughs> and the, um, so also next next hour we are talking about Meghan Markle speaking out after mm. her siblings sued her. Because apparently the siblings saying that she lied during that Oprah interview. Find out what the lie was wow. coming up next hour. And after this, the Department of Justice is looking into Trump's actions as they relate to the January 6th insurrection. We've got some updates that happened today after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, uh, former President Donald Trump returned to D.C. and gave his take on the current state of law and order as if we were all asking for it, right? Roving mobs of thieves walk into the stores and walk out with whatever merchandise they can carry. There is no longer respect for the law, and there certainly is no order. How interesting coming from Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean... And to be clear, the the, the protesting are like the uh, the the crowd noise yeah. you heard. This was a side-by-side photo, our video, of January 6th happening, while he's also talking about law, yes. like law and order. Our friends at uh, The Recount always put together really fun videos that show the irony. Well, back with us is Drexel Hurd, political strategist and advisor from Strategies 360. Welcome back. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. I know. So all of this comes, you know, as Washington Post reported that the uh, Department of Justice is investigating Donald Trump's actions leading up to the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. It's part of their criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. So is that that's pretty big in terms of what we're seeing happen today, isn't it? Well, I think there's two things to look at. One, this is an this is not a criminal investigation, as the Justice Department has said. This is an inquiry into actions that may eventually turn into a criminal investigation of the president. But as the attorney general has said, you know, as every attorney general has said, uh, nobody is above the law uh, and everyone who has was involved will be held accountable no matter who they are. Uh, so I think based on what we've seen over the last few weeks, over the January 6th committee, uh, there's a good chance that Donald Trump was more involved, as we probably know, we could we could speculate all day, uh, than we're being led on to. Uh, and I think the Justice Department is going to do everything that they can to make sure it's pretty airtight uh, as we go into the election season for 2024. Yeah, because all the work that Merrick Garland does is normally so, like, secretive that we wouldn't even really know anything about the investigation that he's doing and, and what the Justice Department is doing. And so it does feel like from us, you know, seeing that the highest 
a member of vi- former Vice President Mike Pence's staff being test like testimony like testifying and being public that he testified. It seems like the next thing would be that Trump is it's getting closer to him being indicted in some ways. Is that what we can possibly expect? Are we should we get our hopes up for that? Depending where you stand. Well, I right? think I have, I think uh, listen, I'm a big Big Brother fan. So in the terms of in the, in the, in the words of Julie Chen, you can always expect the unexpected. Yes. Uh, and uh, and as Big Brother is tonight, uh, and so I think this is one of those um, situations where uh, where the Justice Department is, is is trying to avoid the appearance of election. In, uh, election meddling, like uh, yeah. what happened with uh, Secretary Clinton, uh, with Jim Comey and the FBI, uh, and making sure that in a divided country right now, that, uh, that with our institutions being questioned, uh, that they are doing their job as the Department of Justice uh, to bring those, um, uh, to, you know, who were involved uh, to be held accountable for their actions. Uh, so, I, you know, look, the president uh, may or may, the former president may or may not be indicted. Um, but he certainly uh, will be held responsible uh, in some way, whether or not it is, a, it is in the criminal investigation or uh, at the ballot box if he chooses to run again. Definitely. You know, you mentioned the Julie Chen uh, Big Brother quote. Well, you know, <laughs> Attorney General Mayor Garland did say to, uh, to NBC Nightly News that anyone could be held accountable. <laughs> Which is very yeah. true. Yeah. I do wonder, with the January 6th hearings, we actually talked about this yesterday. You know, there's a, a recent poll that revealed that Republicans have actually not been swayed. About 78% of Republicans say they are not paying, quote, not very much attention or none at all. And it does seem like President well, Trump is going to uh, possibly announce a, a run for 2024. What does this mean when it comes to knowing this information that Republicans aren't really being swayed here? Well, I think this is indicative of the type of um, Republican Party of this moment, Uh, a Republican Party that is not interested in actual facts. They're not interested in patriotism. They're not interested in moving the country forward. They're interested in one person, uh, and that is dangerous. You know, we are not, uh, you know, in our history, we have had kings before. And uh, those kings have been toppled. And, and so this is history repeating itself. And the Republican Party can certainly go the way of the Whigs and the British, uh, as much as I love the British. But, uh, you, know, you know, in a revolutionary sense, uh, if they want to, uh, or they can work with the Democrats in, the, in, in Congress and, uh, and work to bring down uh, some of these gas prices, work to build housing for those who are on the streets uh, and, and get folks back to work uh, after this pandemic. So they can do they can either they can choose one or they can choose the other. It seems right now that they are choosing um, to focus their attention on Donald Trump. And that's unfortunate. Oh, all right. Well, you said it. That was political tra- strategist and from Strategies 360, Drexel Hurd. Thank you so much. So let's uh, pivot the conversation here because trans and non-binary people are more likely to self-induce abortions even before Roe v. Wade fail. Now, post-Roe, it's looking even more dangerous for them. We're actually talking about that up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The BMJ Journal of Sexual and Reproductive Health published a study that found trans and non-binary people more likely to attempt self-induced abortions. This study was published before the fall of Roe, so we can only imagine how this will get more dangerous for these groups in the near future. Here to discuss is Dr. Mary Bowman, nurse practitioner and telehealth abortion provider at Choice. Happy to be here. 
So I think we really need to put into perspective how common these self-induced abortions are happening among trans and non-binary people because it, it feels like they've been honestly erased from the conversation. Hmm. Yeah, well, so the study was a relatively small study, but the first study of its kind, it's no secret that there's not enough research on uh, abortion in the trans and non-binary community, but this uh, study was very telling in that it showed that about one in five uh, trans or non-binary people um, have attempted a self-induced abortion as compared to maybe five percent of cisgender women. Um, so a, a big discrepancy. And I would say it's clear why, but did anything in the study reveal why that is? Well, what we know about um, the trans community's relationship to the healthcare community is that um, healthcare is often a place of um, harassment, discrimination, and and sometimes violence for trans and non-binary people. So, avoiding formal healthcare spaces is not just unique to people who are seeking abortion care, but um, to trans and non-binary people in general. Um, I think there's an added layer of fear or um, discomfort related to things that are considered gynecological care or sexual and reproductive health if people are assuming that they're going to need a, a genital exam or a speculum exam um, to, to access abortion care. So when we're talking about self-managed abortion care, there's a lot of conversations that it's not necessarily a health risk. How is that? Because it, it does sound very dangerous when you're thinking about it without a doctor present. I'm so glad you asked that question, Ryan, because really self-induced abortion has changed considerably since the days of what most people associate like the coat hanger days, right? The back alley abortion days. Now to self-manage an abortion, because there's abortion medications, people can very safely self-manage their abortions at home. They just need access to those medications. There's ways to do that legally, like through my company choice. Um, you can just go online, fill out a form. As long as everything is safe with your medical history, we'll send meds to your house. You can do your abortion yourself, and we just follow up with you. There's other organizations like Aid Access or Plan C, yeah. where in places where abortion um, medication is illegal or inaccessible, people can go through those websites and still have it mail ordered to them to self-manage at home. So things have changed considerably since the pre-Roe days when self-managing an abortion was almost certainly a death sentence, right? Yeah, now we're not definitely. in those days anymore, luckily, even though we're post-Roe. Oh, my God. I, I have two questions. One, you know, and you mentioned for the states that they are banning the medication. Um, I don't get how that's possible that you could still get it. Is it be, how does that work? Wouldn't there be liability? It's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these organizations work out of um, international locations and they use pharmacies um, outside of the United States. So they're licensed providers outside of the United States um, who can can kind of practice and, and mail things because it's international. So And you're allowed getting illegal. the mail. It's not like illegal to yeah. receive that. Yeah, I mean they can't really monitor what everybody okay. gets in the mail. Yeah, that's there are the ways hope. for US yeah, for US based um abor telehealth abortion providers, there are ways of regulating things through the pharmacy, 
but um, they can't do that internationally. And and also, so you would be against, obviously, there's these herbal remedies and all that. Like, there's a lot of DIY stuff, and I think that's where no, it becomes concerning, obviously. Health risk. Yeah, and this study that you're referring to showed that all of the people who had attempted to self-induce actually did not use abortion medication. And so what we know now, right, is that we have abortion medication and people can safely self-manage, but not everybody knows that. And not everybody realizes that they can just go online, call a phone number, fill out a form on the internet, and potentially have access to medication some people are still going to use more of the DIY methods because they don't know that there is alternatives to that. I think especially trans and non-binary people who might be more insulated from the abortion world or might be a little bit more avoidant of that that type of care um, might not know that there are other safer ways to, to self-manage. Yeah, and speaking to the not knowing, how do we... And how should we move forward? What are your hopes moving forward that when we're discussing abortion care in the in a, in a post-Roe world, how should we be discussing it to making sure that everyone is getting the information they need, regardless if, if they're cis or trans? Absolutely. I think talking about abortion, period. Everyone should be talking about abortion. I'm glad that we are talking about abortion um, on this show right now. I think everyone should be talking about abortion, should be talking about abortion access and how it's limited, should be talking about these new ways of accessing abortion medications, whether it's through telehealth legally or through these other companies that can facilitate access for people in states where there are bans. Um, And we should also be really mindful of the language that we use when we're talking about abortion. We should talk about pregnant people. We should talk about people who can get pregnant um, and not just really narrowly focus on women. And when we say women, right, most people mean cisgender women. So really trying to use expansive language so that people feel included in these conversations. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, this was Dr. Mary Bowman, nurse practitioner and telehealth abortion provider at Choice. Thank you for being here. Happy to. Have a good one. You too. Uh, Now, this bizarre new phenomena, what is planned orphanhood? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's something being reported on called planned orphanhood and it's bringing up a lot of controversy and conversation (laughs) basically uh, this is stemming from israel where the parents of slain soldiers are pushing for their right to be future grandparents how would that work though you're wondering well after a man dies supposedly his sperm lives or their sperm you know lives up to 72 hours and can be retrieved with an incision then frozen And if you don't have a child and want to leave one, we can give it to your wife or parents. That's according to this uh, person in this article. So it's uh, the military practice is actually called postmortem sperm retrieval. It's a familiar topic in Israel. And the question is, it kind of brings it up. Like, what if that could be brought here? Like, one, what do you think of this? Because I feel like once this pops up, Somewhere it might pop in other up in other places, and actually, in the U.S., there are regulations around this. The practice is actually usually reserved for widows, who can attest that their husbands wanted kids this way. Yeah, you know, if it's not through that way, that it just feels a little strange. Like I wonder <laughs> how dark this can get when you're thinking about like this. Sounds like a crazy Lifetime movie where mm. there's a murderous woman and she you know kills someone and then decides to have his babies and then even does the incision herself literally like I see so many things here but this actually happened earlier this year a West Australian woman was actually granted permission to extract sperm from her dead partner after he, after he suffered a brain aneurysm oh and so like I do wonder like as the kid growing up like does that feel weird knowing that no like it's not like your dad was like are there that person was on their deathbed no they like they were like dead and gone for a while and not a while you have 72 hours like you're a casper baby it's kind of cool actually being a casper baby yeah i don't know that just feels like bad juju it's giving bad juju. We're not coming into the world, like the world, the earth, and the ways that I need to start off it's on like a there fresh, was, clean It's like slate. non-consented. I'm coming in with the ancestors attached to me, and that just feels well, weird, that, like very Ouija board. Yeah, I think it could be creepy. Um, I, I think the only way it works is if two people sign a document. It's like when I get my eggs frozen, and if I did do... Um, 
uh, oh my God, what am I forgetting? Like when I, if, if you bring the sperm and the egg together and you make a embryo. You mean how a baby's made? <laughs> no, you make embryos. <laughs> oh my God, I had a brain fart. So uh, usually you do need to sign something there need, or there needs to be an understanding between the partners that yeah. what if, you know, you no longer are with the partner just, and then can you use it after? And Sherry Shepard went through this and um, also who's the modern family actress, um, went through this too with, uh, there's a bunch of actresses that went through this with their exes. So the thing is, if you have legal like papers that you've signed with this, with your partner that says, if anything happens to me, you can do whatever you want to do to have my child. Well, I only imagine like if, what if this is like a new business adventure of like, instead of a sperm bank, it's like a dead man sperm bank. Oh, I'm sure it's possible. And also the capitalism at its best. But think about also the cleanup is probably a lot easier too. Oh, it's dark. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, all right. Welcome back. Uh, Coming up on the show, we've got some more music, of course, but we're going to be talking about why Meghan Markle is being sued, and it involves Oprah. Yes, it does. That's in the T-Report. Plus, we've got some other mental health stories. Uh, A new report detailing financial challenges facing LGBTQ-owned small businesses, too. That's in 15 minutes. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, This just came in, so I I did add this one. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who we know has previously killed a lot of efforts uh, to pass a reconciliation package specifically, announced that he has reached a deal with the White House and Democratic leadership on a climate tax and drug cost bill. And it includes things that Manchin had previously killed, like climate provisions. So that's really good news. I mean, finally, they're all like some like he's on the same page and is not trying to hold up all of the work that needs to be done. And he just continues to like just ruin a lot of things. So I'm, I'm happy he's yeah. finally come to some sort of, you know, terms to this right now. I reached a deal, but I just hope they did not um, compromise the important things just because of this one man, because you're now giving him way too much power. And it's like. Well, who's running the White House? If is Joe Manchin running the White House? Because we he's just a senator. Yep. He has um, his hands in dirty pots when it comes to like, you know, the the oil and the climate. Like he gets paid by a lot of these oil companies. Maybe if you he's really look switching gears, he's seeing the lights. Yeah. Uh, moving on to someone who's seeing the dark. Donald Trump made a speech at the America First Policy Institute's first annual summit yesterday as he signaled his intent to run again in 2024. During the speech, he denounced the sexualization of minor children while discussing LGBTQ folks. Uh, He said federal, state, local government should aggressively enforce existing statutes to stop the perverted sexualization of minor children. Then he went on to say this. The sickos who are pushing sexual content in kindergartens or providing puberty blockers to young children who have no idea what a puberty blocker is. Neither do I, by the way. (laughs) Neither do most of the people in the audience as you smile. Let's just say they're not good, are not just engaged in acts of depravity. In many cases, they are breaking the law and they should be held fully accountable. The only weird people who are sexualizing kids are the Republicans. Like, that, like, what are you talking about here? And he couldn't even say yesterday. And he thinks, of course he doesn't know what puberty blockers are. I wish someone who gave him puberty blockers, and his parents' puberty blockers, maybe they wouldn't have been able to have him. I mean, he said it. 
I just I get worried. Yeah, he's going to be creating his own medical theories around everything now. We already see it coming. Uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Okay, let's talk about Meghan Markle because once again, her unfortunate um, like siblings are ruining her life. Meghan Markle's being accused and sued by her sister of lying in that Oprah interview last year. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Meghan Markle, like I said, is being sued by her sister, uh, Samantha, over a, quote, rags to riches story and claims that she made during her bombshell interview with Oprah. In that interview, Meghan claimed that she grew up an only child. Well, Samantha filed a lawsuit in Florida that is saying that, well, guess what? Um, She just completely tried to erase us. That's not true. She has two half-siblings. And in the most recent round of documents, Meghan's attorney slapped down Samantha's assertion that it was disappointing honest for Megan to claim that she grew up as an only child, claiming it is how she feels despite her technically having two half-siblings. They also dismissed Samantha's complaints about information in this book called Finding Freedom, saying that Megan can't be blamed for that because she didn't write the book. So basically, Megan's lawyers are moving for a defamation case, uh, for the defamation case to be dismissed. And I, the crazy thing is, like, I always say that I grew up as an only child. You know, like, I did. I mean, I have have siblings, but I didn't meet them until later in life. Yeah, it depends on your circumstances. And, and so, like, that's a similar situation right here. And so the fact that all of everybody in Megan's family from on the dad's side has literally been, like, plotting to ruin her life. It's the worst. That is your T-Report. If you want to know more, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. Next hour, however, we are talking about, oh, my God, Candace Bure. She has spoken out about what JoJo Siwa had to say <laughs> about her. So stick around for that. Okay. After this, many small businesses face hardships throughout the pandemic. But how are LGBTQ plus owned businesses specifically affected? More on a new report after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We know how many financial challenges we all faced during the pandemic. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Not surprisingly, it hit LGBTQ owned small businesses even more. Um, There's a new report out from the Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research and the Movement Advancement Project. They've released a report on this very thing, and it highlights the struggles of queer-owned businesses. Here to break it all down is Spencer Watson, President and Executive Director of Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, first, did we learn anything new or revealing about LGBTQ businesses here before we get into the pandemic side of things? Definitely. So, um, there is very little information that is publicly available and uh, nationally representative about the financial needs and well-being of LGBTQ-owned small businesses. And so, in this report, we were able to use uh, data that was collected by the Federal Reserve Bank's uh, Small Business Credit Survey in order to create a first-of-its-kind look at uh, the financial health and needs of LGBTQ-owned businesses. Yeah, so I guess let's talk about how the pandemic has unfortunately impacted these LGBTQ-plus business, small businesses because I, it felt like every safe space or every queer business that I knew, unfortunately, could not recover. Yeah, so in the data, we were definitely able to see that LGBTQ-owned small businesses had you know, a disproportionate uh, harm to them financially during the pandemic. About 61% of LGBTQ-owned firms in the survey reported that they had financial losses in 2020, which was compared to about 48% of non-LGBTQ firms. 
uh, and that disparity continued into 2021, uh, with about 85% of those businesses reporting uh, that the pandemic was having a negative effect on their business at the time of the survey, uh, and that was compared to about three quarters of non-LGBTQ firms. And it, it, does it mention like, as to why? Because that informs what is needed to make sure it doesn't happen or it's minimized. Well, so I think one big reason that LGBTQ-owned businesses were disproportionately uh, affected was because they struggled much more to obtain relief during the pandemic. Um, While a majority of LGBTQ-owned businesses applied for relief uh, through the Paycheck Protection Program, um, you know, compared to a little less than half of non-LGBTQ businesses, they were less likely to receive the funding that they had applied for. Uh, about one in six reported they had received none of the funding that they had applied for, uh, which was compared to about only one in ten of non-LGBTQ businesses, and that also, you know, was borne throughout also other uh, relief programs that LGBTQ-owned businesses were more likely to apply for, but less likely to receive help from. I think one other thing that's important to consider is what we saw in the data that there was, you know, differences. Um, in the, uh, you know, makeup uh, and demographics of LGBTQ-owned businesses that made them slightly more vulnerable, I think, to to Mm. this um, pandemic than non-LGBTQ firms. Uh, LGBTQ firms in the survey were more likely to be younger firms. Uh, They were more likely to have, you know, smaller annual revenues. And they were also more likely to be in the retail industry or in leisure and hospitality, uh, which were disproportionately affected. So I we got to wrap up here soon, but I, I do wonder, especially with the, the looming word of recession happening right now and, and saying this is what's coming, how should LGBTQ plus small businesses prepare for that big word and, and, and actually what it can really do to our businesses moving forward? Well, I think, yeah, they should be definitely, you know, considering, you know, what the financial condition of. Oh, oh, we just, I hope oh, we didn't no. lose. I wanted to, yeah, get the, the tips and what to do if someone great. needs support. Great, it would have been but, great advice. Um, Access financing. Okay. Oh, sorry. You you just got cut off. So. Real quick. Yeah. Start it from the Can beginning and, and give us those can? tips one more time. You got, you got cut out. <laughs> so uh, I think it's important for them to consider what their current financial condition is and what they can do to prepare for maybe a constriction in their revenues but also a constriction in the financing that might be available to them and what they can do to shore up uh, their you know, credit um, uh, profile so that they can be sure to access you know, the, the relief that they might need. All right. Well, that was, again, Spencer Watson, President and Executive Director of Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research. Thank you so much. Now, let's talk about the the high temperatures that I know we are all experiencing. Mm-hmm. And you may think the heat is actually making you crazy. Well, turns out it probably is. More coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You might be noticing that you're feeling more cranky as the temperatures rise. Well, there is a reason for this. And back with us is clinical psychologist Dr. Josh Claypo. Welcome back. Hello. How are you? You know, we're good. We're inside. There's air conditioning. Mm -hmm. But it's rough out there for a lot of people. (laughs) Globally, right? Yeah. I, I, it's um, I know y'all are out in the West Coast. Um, uh, I'm here down in the Deep South, where the humidity is about ninety five percent, and so is the temperature. Um, Sounds awful. Yeah, it's good for your skin. Yeah, I don't believe it. I grew up. I grew up also in that humidity. It was never good for me. You glow, Ryan. What are you talking about? It was disgusting. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's pretty unbearable. And you think about um, folks in Europe um, and uh, and other places that don't have air conditioning, and folks here um, who don't have access to air conditioning. And it's obviously it's a physical threat. Yeah. Um, but psychologically, yeah, it really wreaks havoc on us. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, yeah, why is it so bad? I mean, we kind of know naturally, like when anything mm-hmm. hits us uncomfortably, discomfort messes with us. And then when you feel like a lack of control and you're stuck, it can make you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, it can't. I mean, if you think about it, so yes, absolutely. When we're uncomfortable uh, in general, we, we tend not to be in our best mood. But I think the other thing that happens is, when we're uncomfortable, and particularly if it's in um, more uh, severe situations, our bodies kind of go into that protective fight-or-flight mode. And what I mean by that is we're focused completely on the discomfort and finding comfort. And so as a result, our ability to manage our patients, our emotions, on all these other things, our brain's kind of offline. It's not focused on that. It's focused on, I'm hot. I need to cool down, et cetera, because that's a survival mechanism. And so the the psychological piece of it is very real, and it takes away from our ability to do other things. Yeah, but my thing is it gets hot every summer. I mean, we know (laughs) this. And so is is it something that is like there's underlying issues during this time of the seat, like of the year, that it just everything kind of bubbles over? Like how are we really only blaming this as on temperatures rising? Oh, you know, I, I mean, so, so the, I, I like the discomfort idea, which is it gets hot every summer, it gets cold every winter. And listen, we have to we have to qualify that with it depends where you live. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's definitely more moderate places. But one of the things we know is that when and, and it differs by every individual, when a person gets to that place where they feel uncomfortable and there's a huge range right you know i'm a complainer when it's hot i start getting uncomfortable really quickly and i start complaining my family particularly my wife she's fine she's fine Mm. and so it's really it has a lot to do with your personal sort of uh, ability to manage that discomfort and and that's really what's driving it until you get to the most sort of severe levels of it right where you're you're really worried about things like heat stroke, et cetera, yeah. and then your body is really taking over and it's affecting, it's going to affect everybody. And dehydration, all that. I mean, scientists have discovered heat waves, as we mentioned, harm mental health, but it shows increases in suicides, spikes in aggressive behavior, I guess, when we're dealing with heat waves. And it's revealing how uh, and why extreme heat can impair mental health, especially in those underlying um, with underlying psychiatric conditions. I mean, do you think because this is uh, more just the way we we might be have to having to live right now with our heat increasing, that public health will get more involved, right? Because this seems to yeah. be an issue that might get worse. So, so one of the things I want to caution folks is there's definitely a relationship between heat and things like m- more violent crime um, and more aggressive behaviors, but it's not being driven by heat alone. Heat is an ingredient to it. Um, people have more time to spend outside. Um, people have less um, schedules. It varies by socioeconomic size. There's a lot of other factors. Yeah. Um, so you, you got that. I think the second thing is when you think about underlying mental health problems, you know, you're talking about everything from, yes, impulse control. And when we are put in a 
really difficult physical situation, it makes impulse control more difficult. But also when you talk about things like dehydration and interactions with medications um, and, and things like dehydration and disorientation. So it is pretty complicated. Wow. But what we do know is that heat, when it reaches levels where people are uncomfortable, and that's really important, uncomfortable, that's when it starts having an, an impact um, significantly. So as we wrap this up, what are some kind of coping abilities that we can take on to help us adjust to certain scenarios that we may be, you know, dealing with? Yeah, I mean, look, the number one thing is, you know, obviously taking care of your physical health here. So to the degree that you can keep your body relatively cool in a heat wave, do so. Um, And what I mean by that is try not to just bear it out if you can. You know, going into a a store, going into a place to stay cool. Hydration is also important. The other thing is for friends and loved ones, you know, who are suffering with a mental health condition or maybe taking medications that put them at greater risk, helping them, looking out for them, making sure that they're not going out with you as you're braving the heat um, because they may be more risk. So really taking it seriously, right? And then I, I think more than anything else, as people's tempers maybe flare a little bit, Give people some, you know, as I always say, give them a little grace and say, look, we're all uncomfortable here. Um, Let's all just, you know, back off a a little bit. I mean, it's common sense stuff, but I think that's the best that we can do. Okay, well, that was psychologist Dr. Josh Claypo. Thank you so much, and we hope you stay cool. Thank you so much. All right, next up, this woman snuck her dog onto a plane, and people are raising eyebrows how she did it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, A TikToker is speculating about a viral video that a woman snuck her dog onto United Airlines flight with a backpack and a blanket. Uh, (sighs) So to be clear, this person had the dog in a clear bubble backpack with breathing holes. There are those that you could actually buy. Duh! Yes, I am a dog um, owner. I can confirm that you can buy those things. That people have them all the time. They're easy carry the, things for small dogs and cats, it's the, yeah, cats, rats, any whatever rats. your pet is. Don't if you have a pet rat, you <laughs> might need to be committed. Uh, the thing is, when walking through the gate, it appears that she's covering the bag with a blanket. So a lot of people think that she snuck them in. Obviously, Mind it goes through security. It's obvious that, that there's a thing in there. That's why I'm like, if you're, you have to go through TSA. You have to one go to the uh, to the front desk because they charge. I believe airlines like charge yeah. like a hundred and something dollars to even do it. And so yeah, maybe she if she didn't get charged, that's not a her business. That's not a your business. Why are y'all like taking a picture of this woman? It's so weird. I hate when people do this because people are bored with their lives and they rather just talk about other people no but like it's it is actually really like awful when people they capture people it's like an invasion of privacy yeah you capture folks without their consent it's just like what who told you to do that why are you mad here's the thing uh you know it is yeah it it is a bit of a fee you know united airlines allows in cabin pets for 125 each way service animals therapy animals are free although i did get very i don't think therapy animals are free anymore According to this article, but okay, Daily Dot just reported this. However, I must say, not I, including therapy animals. Yeah, I said not including. No. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say is, I recently was very triggered when I was checking into a flight, and I saw a golden retriever in a uh, not a box but a cage going under the plane. Yeah, that's no. how they travel. I'm sorry, that is so in 
inhumane animal. It's no, not it's humane. Not. It's not. It, dogs have traveled like that in like yeah, and they actually like there have been organizations that are very much against it because there's have been animals that have died at any rate. Yeah, but that's not all the cases. I know enough. Are you that, talking about PETA, the extreme of them? No, all? there was other ones. I researched it after it happened because I was it was horrifying to see this cute dog that just and he was his family was leaving him in this freaking cage because that's the only being way they could have done like it like he was a piece of because luggage guess what, not everyone can afford to like you know put their dog in first class because they have that extra income Listen, those dogs as i could know be somebody the... who have done that before <laughs> the, the, when they once owned the dog it was someone else who paid for that but yeah uh, but still like not everyone can no, do I that know, so totally that, that is supposed to be that's my a, hope, a travel way of doing listen that. My I would hope, never if do you it. have a nice dog there should be just like some sort of person that could like do tests with your dog and be like okay this dog's not gonna freak out or bite people this dog, it's like, can come on the plane because it actually can help a lot of people. And it can sit at your feet. Even if it's big, it's down to do that. At any rate, uh, so I guess, would you buy this thing, this dog Yes, backpack? I've looked into it, but Coco's too long. And so I couldn't, you know, I can't do it. But it's, I mean, my thing is, the, the moral of the story is... Leave people alone and mind your damn business. Unless they're going on an airplane that you built or that you, it's your company. If you're Kim Kardashian. It's your private jet. Leave me alone. Thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, yes, uh, we've got more music coming up on Channel Q right now. We're getting into more show. Apparently being tired and burned out can impact your spending habits. That's in... 15 minutes. Uh, then what Candace Cameron had to say in response to Jojo Siwa, who <laughs> called that actress out. That's in the tear report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Now, yesterday we talked about Republican Representative Glenn Thompson and how he voted against codifying same-sex marriage just before attending his gay son's wedding. Well, now BuzzFeed acquired audio from his speech at the wedding. Oh, no. Yeah. Three sons and uh, and uh, done a great job of adding to the family. Every <laughs> kid showed up through cesarean section, so it was not all pleasant, right? <laughs> so this has been a really good experience, especially for son and end of the family. <laughs> it's hard to hear, uh, but he says this has been a really good experience to have a new son enter the family. We're just blessed. Really? You're blessed? Because it seems like you're fighting to basically break up their marriage. Exactly. You don't even care about I, them. It's, it's like, I, imagine if your child awkward. came up to you being like, Dad, what is this I'm seeing that yeah. you literally just voted against me even having this opportunity or having this beautiful wedding that we just had? And him just say, oh, it's just politics. It's not that big of a deal. Right. What? Yeah, he said, It's impacting your it's son. Crazy. He said any, uh, the, any parent hopes and praises that their child stays healthy, finds their way, and ultimately finds that one true love so that they have the opportunity opportunity to experience that someone to grow old with again are we on some sort of other planet well and this goes back to our conversation when we were talking about joe rogan and and a lot of that clip he was actually talking about you know gay marriage and how he's very supportive and and how uh, it's under attack and he'll never be considered a conservative but like 
no one, I, the, the disconnect on a lot of these fronts are people not realizing that their actions are impacting the larger conversation and a yeah. lot of people's lives, specifically black and brown folks, queer and trans folks. And it's really, really sad to 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 see like this kind of hypocritical notion of like, oh, no, we, we support our, our own family members. Yeah. But then we'll vote to make sure that they don't have the happiness and the, the livelihood that they deserve. Well, it's, it's actually very dangerous because, yeah, it's a. A complete disassociation from reality. Uh, moving on to President Joe Biden, who said this morning he's feeling great and is back to working in person after isolating in the White House and recovering from a mild case of COVID-19. Uh, I've uh, just tested negative for COVID-19 after isolating for five days. Thankfully, I'll now be able to return to work in person. And I also want to thank the medical team here at the White House. Uh, for the incredible care they gave me. Fortunately, my symptoms were mild, my recovery was quick, and I'm feeling great. When my predecessor got COVID, he had to get helicoptered to Walter Reed Medical Center. When I got COVID, I worked from upstairs of the White House and uh, for the, that five-day period. The difference is vaccinations, of course, but also three new tools, free to all and widely available. Yeah, he credits uh, vaccines, booster shops, and Paxlovid antiviral treatment. He was prescribed for um, steering clear of a severe case of the virus. He got better more quickly than you, Ryan. Okay. Well, it was my first time having it. He's had it. Has he had it? I don't know. I I, well, you know, the presidents have had it. All the presidents. <laughs> I feel like when you walked into the, watch, the, the White House from the former president, I'm just like, yeah, I guess... I just maybe I'm just saying that because I don't want an an elderly 84 year old man to have a better body. It was a it was a light joke. Maybe he's not. I mean, is he asthmatic? My asthma probably was a problem. You know, it's all no. He he got the best treatment, and actually Paxlovid expedites it. My mom, my mom actually told me about that. She was like, "You should go to the doctor and ask about that." And I'm like, "Mom." Like, I don't, I can barely get a, like, regular checkup with my doctor because he's always booked up, like, six months. Yeah, you need to get, go to, yeah, you need to get a new doctor or go to emergency <laughs> care. Well, let's talk about the health care. Mm, you know, uh, no. Just it's hard go, to find doctors. No, you just go down the street and you check in with emergency care and you ask them to subscribe. Uh, like prescribe urgent that. care? Urgent care. Uh-huh, that yeah, that's. Ex- I don't even have a doctor. I just go to urgent care. That sounds No, expensive. you could do insurance, too, with that. I know, but that just sounds expensive. Anyway. An option in the future, don't get COVID, but, you know, in case it happens. Okay, finally, a federal judge in Indiana has ruled Indianapolis public schools must allow a 10-year-old trans girl to play on her school's uh, schoolgirl softball team. Uh, HEA 1041 took effect July 1st, a new law banning trans students from participating in all-female school sports in the states. The preliminary injunction says that the girl has a likelihood of succeeding on the merits of her claim and that the new uh, law violates Title IX of the Equal Opportunity in Education Act. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News. Okay, so let's talk about Candace Bure because she is basically apologizing to JoJo Siwa after JoJo Siwa called her out for being the rudest celebrity she's ever met. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the former Full Health star took to Instagram to say she reached out to JoJo and asked her why she was even called the rudest celebrity she ever met. Well, apparently during their conversation, Cameron learned that she had snubbed JoJo when the then preteen dancer asked her to t- uh, for a picture at the 2016 premiere of Fuller House. Now, during their conversation, um, Candace learned she basically 
you know, did this and was like, basically, this is what happened. So JoJo was 12 at the time. She was told not right now. And then Candace ended up, oh my God, Candace ended up taking pictures with other folks as soon as she told JoJo, oh. no, not right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. That was a long time ago, but yeah, she yes. done that. It could have been, and But you that don't sticks know. with you. It oh, most totally. definitely sticks with you. Including since she probably wasn't as famous then. So Candace is now apologizing. Here is what she has to say. Way and and I'm sorry to your mom too that I did that to her daughter because I know if anyone crosses my kids like mom bear comes out and so we had a really great discussion and she basically said like I, I didn't even think that was going to get picked up and a big deal and it just was very kind of innocent and so um so that was it all good all good on the JoJo front and I, I you know I think the lesson that we can learn is to to be mindful that no matter how many follow followers you have, you know, even a 10 second trending TikTok video can do damage. I do appreciate that because it's true. Like, the, the fact that JoJo said, oh, I didn't think anyone was going to pick it up. JoJo, well, no, everything you do is picked up. No, but I have to say that trend that she does, that well, that trend that everyone is doing where it's like the quick phone moment, somebody screenshot it super quickly. So I don't know. I don't think it's really her fault. But that's your team report. We got more coming up next time. Stick around. Next up, could burnout be impacting your shopping habits? What you do when you're or buy when you're burnt out? I want to oh. hear what you buy when oh, you're like tired. Oh, I buy everything okay. when I'm burnt out. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Do you ever find yourself getting dragged into the online shopping rabbit hole at the end of the day? Why are you talking about you me? Know, Just say my name, wink, Shira. Wink, nudge, nudge. Just say my name. Uh, well, it actually might be because of something called cognitive depletion. Oh. Here to share more is wow. Aditi Srikant, a lead reporter at NBC Make It. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So can you explain what this phrase is? Um, and it's also basically connected to burnout, That's right? That's so intense. Yes. So cognitive depletion refers to the fact that we wake up with a set amount of energy. So we wake up with like a set amount of gas in our tank. And then throughout the day, um, that gas tank, you know, gets lower and lower. And by the end of the day, our ability to make rational decisions and to think reasonably is pretty low. And so if you're coming home after a long day of work, after you're burnt out, your ability to think reasonably about the money you spend is probably a lot lower than at the beginning of the day. Um, and what that might look like in practice is like 
You're not going to um, compare prices. If you want something really badly, uh, at the end of the day, is probably when you're not going to care about how much it takes, uh, how much money it takes to get it. Mm-hmm. So that's why there is kind of a direct correlation between burnout and spending more money. I mean, you suggested to avoid overspending, try a cooling down period. Like, what does that mean? Like, hide my cards? <laughs> um, so put the stuff in your cart and then go to bed. Mm, and oh, yeah. you can tell yourself, I'm going to buy it tomorrow, like for sure, of course. But more than likely, you're going to wake up in the morning and maybe take a couple things out of your cart. And if you don't take a couple things out of your cart, it might be a good sign that you really want that or really need that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you sit on something, um, you know, you, you don't really want it in a few hours. Yeah. That wow. is true. Wow. I mean, how many people seem to deal with this? Is this a huge issue? Um, I have, from my interviews, yes. It was actually interesting because I wasn't asking for this answer when I went around looking for sources and interviewing people. Um, but I just asked people, when do you think a time you overspend a lot is? And I would say three or four people got back to me and said, you know, when I'm tired at the end of the day, that's really when. I, um, that's really when I tend to overspend. And then, you know, I talked to a consumer psychologist and they said, yes, this is 100% a problem. It's 100% a thing. That is when people overspend the most. Well, yeah, I kind of think about it in the ways of like stress eating when people are just like Mm -hmm. trying to like suppress the feelings that they're going through. But I mean, speaking from a a money perspective, like I can't help but stop hearing conversation about the recession. It's happening everywhere. People mm-hmm. are trying to prepare us. And so I'm wondering if people are kind of going through this, how do they need to nip that in the bud and like not have to deal with this anymore? Because if we're going to, about to hit a recession really bad, overspending is probably the last thing we should be doing. Right. Um, the cooling down period, like you mentioned, is a really great strategy strategy. Another thing is limiting the amount of time in the store. Don't make your shopping trip so short that you're just throwing stuff in your cart, but don't make it so long that you have time to mosey and go through aisles that you don't need to be going through. Uh, So just making sure it's like a tight 30 minutes, go with the list, stick to the list and, you know, make plans after that, you know, tell your friends you're going to meet them for lunch at 1230 and go in the shop at noon. So you really can't dilly dally. Um, I would say that's another good strategy for, for um, you know, cutting down on that overspending during a time like now when you really need to. Um, another thing you might want to do is, you know, you don't always have to go with the brand name. I think when you're in a rush um, or when you don't want to think about something, you're just yep. going to grab Crest or you're just going to grab Tide. Um, think about whether you really need that, whether how much that matters to you and maybe go with um, a private label or the store brand. But I, I guess I'm still wondering, how do you even find out if this is an issue for you? Because if you're just yeah, kind of ask, like, when do you know that it becomes you know? an issue? Yeah. Um, sometimes they say, like, if you are the type of person that can write down your spending, you know, write down what all you bought Wednesday night when you got home at, from work at oh, 9 no. p.m. I'm avoiding that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, honestly, that's what every expert, every CFP um, has ever told me is you can't address it unless you know what's happening and when it's happening. So it's going to be painful and it's going to suck, but you probably should just do it and write down what you're spending, when you're spending it. And more than likely, if you do that for a month, you will see a pattern. 
Fascinating. All right. Well, that was DT Shrikant, lead reporter at NBC's Make It. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so let's actually talk about creating connections and how it enhances our well-being, both physical and mental. Well, how can we create and keep those relationships? Well, honey, we're talking about it up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. You know, one thing after the pandemic and quarantine, there was all these conversations about the ways that it was really difficult for people to to embrace finding, you know, and cultivating connections with people. Yeah. And there's like research that shows that feeling connected enhances mental and physical health. And it seems like, okay, duh, that makes sense. Of course it does. But I wonder how do we make sure those connections stay? How do you, you know, pour into those relationships, nourish those relationships so they're sticking around for the long haul? I I wonder your perspective, Shira. Has it changed the, how you develop and, and continue to hold on to the relationships that you've created post-pandemic? I think, uh, you know, so many of my relationships have, like, it's not just seasons. It's like a lot of them actually stay over years. I have a lot of people that have just like stayed. Just stick around. <laughs> stick around. Like, but then what's changes is sometimes we go through months or years or we're closer than other years or yeah, months. Yeah. Like literally. And I think that's what you realize as you grow up and you're like, that's okay. Yeah. And it's really nice when it happens. You're like, oh, we're getting close again. But then life happens and yeah. like you never know. Um, and so I think that's what's I for like that's what's changed for me where and then as you continue to get older, like you have so many more people, at least for me, some people actually um, their circles get smaller. My circles, like I would say my close friendship circle is small, but like because of industries I'm in, it's constantly growing. Well, like I'm meeting a, so many network, people. Though. That's a network, I know, but right? they become, yes, they're, they, it's like, they're not like fully professional, like just colleagues or mm. whatever. These are people still that there's some sort of vibey connection. Yeah. Maybe you're not going to be going to their Although I do get invited to birthdays, but maybe you're not going to be the first person they call if like they get married or, or like they get engaged or they're pregnant, but you're still in like a friendship circle in a city, right? Yeah. Or like they'll be there for advice professionally and, and maybe you might connect at a certain point on something deeper. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think about connections in ways where no one tells you how to to continue or nourish relationships when you're an adult, like, there's no class that tells you how to make friends when you're an adult. There's no, like, system that gives you, like, oh, this is how it works. And so you're just kind of really learning about the ebbs and flows of what relationships can be and what they turn out to be. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that can be very difficult in a process, especially if you, like, live in a space, like, let's talk about Los Angeles, that feels oftentimes very difficult because it's very, it's an industry town. It's very hard to connect totally. with people. And so it, it can be hard, depending on where you're placed, of finding a, a, a through line to be like, oh, I'm connecting with this person. And oh, like, yes, life happens, but how do I continue to be, tell this person, oh my God, I want you in my life without sounding like a creepy soccer person. So my, <laughs> my advice is, um, and I feel like I'm pretty good at this. Like, I'm pretty good at keeping in touch. Maybe I'm not like all the time, like every week. Yeah. But yeah. like I've been told by a lot of my friends or friends, because a lot of, you know, I realize a lot, like I have a, a, a group of girlfriends and a lot of us don't always keep in touch. Which I think that's what friendship is, is. Yeah, exactly. To be you know, exactly. Um, but I, and sometimes, and a lot of times I'll be the first to reach out and that's okay. Yeah. Like I'm okay with that because I love them dearly and I like, I know that they're going through a lot or they're busy. Yeah. 
and I know that, and maybe sometimes I'll reach out first. But if I think of them, a lot of times if I just think of you, I'll reach out. Like, so if you come to mind, I'll be like, hey, I was just thinking of you. How are you? Or like, yeah. when are you around? Like, do you want to grab brunch or drink sometime? Yeah. And literally, I just ask. And then we're like, we nail down a date. And sometimes it's one of those, like, we're both busy, so it takes time. And then we're like, no, when is this happening? We need to get on the books. I'm sending yeah. you a calendar invite. Sometimes you need to be that person, right? Like, and I see you're so much, I guess you're so much better than that than me because I feel like I've, um, the people in my life have, they've realized like, oh, we know where Ryan shows up in, in the ways that I know that he may not be the best texter, so I'm going to make sure I reach out first because I care about this relationship. But then for me, I also realize, well, Ryan, if you also want to nourish it, it takes two to tango. Yeah. So you have to reach out and you have to do the work to make them feel like, oh, it's not just one-sided. And I think a lot of times that can be, that's a missing piece of it where a lot of people don't think about it. Like, it's just like, yeah, life can get busy, but with anything, if you want it to be a thing, you got to pour into it. And I, I, I always say, like, don't overthink it. Like, stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Sometimes just saying, like, what's up? You're on my mind. Or I saw this post on yeah. Instagram. You seem, I love, like, you're looking amazing. Yeah. Like, how's life? Or, oh my God, I, I saw you post this. Congratulations. Yeah. Or, you know. Do you, do you wish that I was a better communicator with us? I think, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to hear from you. Some like checking, you used to do check in during the week with work, yeah. work wise. Yeah, I think it would be nice you, to, you know, on the weekends or something to hear from you. Or if you know we've we've gone through something, to say hi over text. It doesn't need to be this intense, like actual in person or phone call. It could yeah. just be like saying hi, right? Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, what did you do last night? I'm really hungover this morning. <laughs> Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, little that creates bonds. It's just like sometimes it's just those little quirks, and that you're like someone's thinking of you. Well, I think, but that I think sometimes, and that thing's, I feel like I'm so happy that you said sometimes you can overthink it because I think sometimes you get to a place in your uh, in a relationship or a friendship, and you're like, wait, I'm now second guessing if I should reach out when I never used to do that, and it's just like I think you start to. Not grieve it, but you start to feel like, oh, wow, I'm coming to terms that maybe this relationship has shifted. And I feel like that's something that we've experienced. Well, yeah, I think that if you're feeling that for yourself and you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable, this, that, there's something to look at. But I think if you're creating that story where, like, if someone, if you literally reached out and texted and they haven't responded, yeah, probably the right. relationship is <laughs> You're right. Like, Hello, are you there? Yeah. Um, although even then, I sometimes do that, and and then I, you know, I I realize they haven't texted. I'm like, oh, are you there? And they're like, oh my god, I forgot about this text. And Which I just happens like, totally. Most so definitely. like, let's remember that. However, I think that you need to give people the benefit of the doubt, and once again, you have to just feel into what feels right for you, and put yourself out there. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not gonna lose anything if anything you're going to gain more well and i and i love what going back to like our the what researchers have said about this to like kind of enhance feelings of social connection they always say like there's four ways heart to hearts giving and receiving help yeah which is beautiful i mean positive vibes of course duh like you know we all want those positive vibes and then affirming expressions i it's just uh, it can be so difficult sometimes. I think it's about looking for for you or anyone that has a difficulty. Yeah. Instead of just saying like, okay, I guess I'm not going to do this. Like, inquire as to why it's so difficult, right? Like for you, like what is but it, that's it can, stopping it, you? But I also feel like 
just like it takes two to tangle to keep the social connection, I think it also isn't just a one-way street of someone. If someone, if you're like feeling weird feelings about a relationship, you have to assume that other the other person on the other side, it's come across Maybe, their mind. however. Have you never thought of that? Yes, but our brains do weird things to ourselves. Okay. okay. We create a lot of stories of like, what if, what if, what if, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, just even to break the ice, it's like just to, you know, reach out. And then like maybe you talk about that weird feeling in person. Maybe a text message or like True. a phone call is not the best circumstance. I do have a girlfriend that we've definitely had moments. Um, and, you know, in the end, I do adore her. But like, uh, you know, I'm not going to have like a, a deep dive about those things. And on a te- a, Yeah. And also text has no tone. Remember, like- I always say it's like um, you never know what could happen to people. I'm right. not going to get dark here. <laughs> but... You never know, and you just no, don't want to. You short. don't want to wake up one day yeah. and say, "Oh crap! I wish I just had sent that text just to say hi." I'm thinking of you. You don't know what one what they're going through, and you don't know what just happens by accident out of surprise, right? Because it's life. So okay. it's like you want to look back, saying, "Like yeah. at least I told them, like." what I thought of them or I expressed my care for them and like I at least did the most I could do within like this space and the friendship we have. So okay real quick because we got to go to break but I want us to think about this question really quickly. What's worse a friendship breakup or romantic breakup? Let's think about it over the break. We'll be back to answer that question. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we we asked a question and we're talking about connections and friendships and relationships and how to continue to nourish that because guess what? When you have those connections, you live a healthier mental health lifestyle, yeah, right? you can actually live longer. Live longer. And so I, you know, I wanted to throw a little bomb in there in the middle there because I wanted to know what's harder, friendship breakups or ro- romantic breakups? Uh, I think both can be difficult. No, you have to pick one. <laughs> you have to pick oh, this one. Is hard. I think. Fr- All right, here's the thing. I think breakups, like uh, intimate breakups, could be at the top a bit more of like a hit, but then they kind of uh, they lessen over time. I think friendship breakups could have more of a residual a residual impact because that was someone there you know with those intimate people there or not they mm-hmm. were the they were more part of your foundation right um and you know intimate partners come in and out intimate partners come in and out that is funny <laughs> Ew. Um, i just realized so anyway i am like a frat brother yes you, know. you are so um but so i do think that again the the hit at the beginning of a of a breakup with someone you you know were dating could be hard at the beginning but then it's like you move on yeah friendship breakups are the worst they are so awful they are so hard to get over it's like you're uh, it's it's i feel like it's a more difficult version of grieving mm. um because you are literally your whole entire like life changes in ways where even if something amazing happens in your life and you're like oh my god i really want to tell this person who's like been there from the jump about these experiences and you can't even do it anymore because you don't y'all are not friends well, anymore yeah, i'll give like, that's difficult. I'll give you the wor- the worst scenario, the double whammy. What? Someone who you were dating, plus they were your best friend. Oh, which is God. like, you know, but like that. Yeah. So then I would yeah. say, which most times, I mean, sometimes it's not the case, but that is 
even worse, which then kind of makes me go back to maybe the person you're with in a relationship. It's harder because that becomes your best friend. And then it's really difficult for a while. Like, I mean, I my know. ex, my, my ex uh, boyfriend, while, you know, I don't feel like the longing to be with him. It's the longing for the more friendship, like yeah. the more of just like the silly you know, um, connection. Yeah. Um, and, feeling like I'm not really there's a like I'm not allowed to connect with him or talk to him because of just like adults being adults and like respecting my partner when you know I just want to be like hey what's up and just like FaceTime and say dumb things you know well I feel like you you and I do do that but it's a feeling like I need to grow out of it in a way yeah. And that is difficult. That's very true. Wow. I, I guess that's true. I I always just think of, like, especially when it comes to partners, yes, they end up being your best friend, but um, intimate partners. But I also think that friendship, especially no matter how long that they've been, like, you can have a friend who was there before your partner. Like, who is there, yeah, like, course, yeah. a part of your life that's just a crucial part. So, I don't know. Answer this question. Um, head over to uh, our uh, Instagram at LGT Show. What's hard for you? Friendship breakups are romantic relationships. LGT Show everywhere. Hell yeah. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. It is Disability Pride Month. And, you know, the publication then published this great article showcasing queer creators with disabilities who are really um, fighting the good fight around accessibility and bringing that to the masses through social media. And we wanted to highlight one of those creators. This person, uh, their name is Ben Oni. And they are a neuro-indigenous, queer, trans, pangender community organizer. And the goal of their work is to create spaces where people can bring their entire selves and be acknowledged as yes, that. Love yeah. That. Also, during the peak of the pandemic, they founded Black Neurodiversity. It's an Instagram resource page that provides eye-opening historical analyses along with practical strategies for creating more accessible spaces. So definitely go check that out. Black neurodiversity on Instagram. Yes, Queen. And yes, that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern Live. Uh, We've got a lot coming up tomorrow uh, from What's Trending This Hour, the T-Report music. This is the place to be every single day. Come on. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay and have a beautiful rest of the day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.